0: Today's reading is the last chapter of Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee for Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Sarah. This is our last chapter in Jonah. We've been going through it. It's an interesting one to end on for Palm Sunday. A little refresher, uh, since we had a week off, Jonah was called by God in chapter 1 to go to Nineveh, but instead he went in the complete opposite direction, to Tarshish. Hi, bud. Do you need to grab another palm? Okay, grab one. Grab some. (laughs) Okay. Some leaves, some leaves. That's what he was calling those. All right. So Jonah went the complete opposite direction, boarded a ship to go to Tarshish. Um, The uh, great storm came up upon him, and the sailors were wondering what was going on, and he confessed that he was running from God. And they, he said, just throw me in the ocean, it would be better off for me to die. And so they did, but God saved him. And while he was in there, uh, and while he was falling into the sea, a great fish came and swallowed him. Often we call it a whale, um, but... Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it was a tarpon. There's often, there's consideration that it was maybe a tarpon. Um, And so uh, God saved him. And while he was in the belly of the fish, he prayed this beautiful prayer um, that is filled with um, kind of shadows, if you will, of the Psalms that he probably grew up hearing and reading and praying. Um, And while, uh, and after three days, the fish spit him back up out of dry land. And Jonah said, Fine. I'll go to Nineveh. He goes, he preaches a five-word sermon, and all of Nineveh repents, including the king and all the cattle as well, and they all fast, and uh, God relents from his, the disaster that he was going to, salt, to cause them. Any preacher in their right mind would go, Oh, sweet, five words, the whole city, 120,000 people repent and believe in God, but Jonah says, no, I am not happy about this. In fact, I'm quite angry about this. And what's interesting to me is that he, his expectations were such that he knew this was going to happen, and that's why he wanted to run away, why he wanted to go the opposite direction we all have expectations in our lives about what will happen, what might happen, what could happen, and when the, our lives are, do not meet those expectations, uh, when the circumstances around us, we have to figure out what we are going to do. Have you ever had expectations unmet that you had a hard time dealing with? Yes yes we uh, a friend of mine texted me and was like how's how's your vacation going and i thought you know it's going imperfectly i think what we wanted what my expectations are is that if we would get there it would be this beautiful family time, maybe soft lights through all of it, this beautiful kind of like there's someone playing live music the whole time, like a mariachi band, wandering us around. Um, everything would be free and included. We stayed at Airbnb, so that was not the case. Uh, we were in a town, so we had to go out and find what we were doing. Um, as I was telling the Scots, we in April, uh, moments ago, uh, Tom Papa is a comedian. Stacy found a clip from him and he's like, we're a family. We're an imperfect organization. And we think we can, we should take this thing on the road. Like what our expectations are so misguided on going and thinking we'll just do our life somewhere else and it'll be perfect. We had a great time. But it was still imperfect. I still was filled with anger at times. I was still sad at times. Our kids still didn't eat their food that we actually paid good money. I'm like, this is a chicken and cheese quesadilla. Like, you eat this all the time at home. Why is it any different? The cheese tastes different. I'm like, it's better. Like, I don't understand. So... And we paid for it, so eat it. Uh, you get no ice cream. Fine, we'll go get ice cream. Like, uh, At least we knew they, they would like the ice cream. We have expectations about our vacations. We have expectations about elected officials and what they may do, what they may not do, the promises that they make, um, the hopes that we have for them regardless. We have expectations that we can send our children to school and they will be safe. Unfortunately, it seems like this is a misguided expectation at this point. We have expectations that the elected officials would take care of these things when they do go wrong. We have expectations that while we're on vacation, we wouldn't need to get news of another school shooting a week after the previous school shooting. Uh, A friend on Facebook listed... Um, there was a, a shooting before Columbine. Columbine was 1999. There have been 496 school shootings since 1999. 496. And it said, she had like a little clip and it said, read more, and I clicked it. And then I, th- I was like, I'm never going to reach the end of this. It just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. We have expectations that God would do something about this as well. And when He doesn't meet our expectations for Him, we say He is an imperfect God. Either He is all-powerful to do something about this, and He's good so that He will, or He is not good, and so while being all-powerful, He still doesn't do it. But what we want is a God who conforms to our expectations. A God who loves the same things we love, who loves the same people we love, who has the same political affiliations that we have, and one who hates the same people we hate. We want a God who would not let guns to enter our school for any reason. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think it's right and good to be angry about these things. And unlike Jonah... It is right and good to take our anger to God about these things. The main question that comes out of these expectations is why. Why would you, God, allow these things to happen? I think we already know the answer. We'll never fully know. I think that's okay. I think it's hard. It's a hard place to be. But I think it's okay. In between Michael and Evelyn, we had two miscarriages. The first one was okay, not great, um, but a miscarriage is a normal thing. My mom had one. Um, I grew up knowing about them. They weren't a foreign concept to me. But when we had the second one, I got very, very angry, and I asked why a lot. God never answered my question. Circumstantially, I began to read the Psalms during that time. Just wonder if I can read through them in a month. I wonder if I can make that a part of my daily life. Instead of getting an answer to the why question, God gave me intimacy and a relationship with Him that went well beyond any of the questions that I could have answered because I I go, like, God, you can do these things outside of the pain and suffering. You can work redemption in our lives and in this world as well. And God says, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to accomplish my purposes despite the pain and the suffering and the tragedy and the disasters that take place. Charlie Peacock, who is a um, musician... Um, said that he wrote a song. It's called, Now is the Time for Tears. He says, Now is the time for tears. Don't speak. Save your words. There's nothing you can say to take this pain away, so try. don't try so hard. Cry with me. Don't try to fix me, friend. That's how you'll comfort me. Heavenly Father, cover this child with mercy. You are my helper through this time of trial and pain. Silence the lips of the people with all of the answers. Gently show them that now is the time, now is the time, now is the time for tears. I don't think the answers are going to satiate us, are going to comfort us. But together, as a people of God, in relationship with God, we seek to find our comfort in him. So we go to him with our anger we go and we cry out to him because that is actually the complete opposite of what everyone else says to do. As you know, we need to arm ourselves more, we need to have more security. I don't think that's a bad thing, uh, to have more security in our schools as um, we prayed about earlier. But to arm ourselves with God and to weep at such a tragedy is a natural human reaction, and so is anger. And what we have done in America, in our, our culture, in our in our culture, is to say it's not okay to be angry with God. But throughout Scripture, over and over and over again, God reminds us in His Word to take our anger to Him, to engage Him with our anger. We see so many people angry with God throughout Scripture, the psalmists. Over and over again, cry out, Where are you, God? Look at my life. Won't you do something about it? Martha, the brother or the sister of Lazarus, when he dies, when Jesus shows up, she goes, Where were you? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus weeps with her. He doesn't rebuke her, he draws nearer to her in that moment. And Jonah gets angry with God as well. Jonah is angry with God at the beginning of our chapter. He probably thought he was being angry for God. I have an anger against this sin, these sinful people, more than you do, God. The actual literalness of this is that it caused evil in Jonah exceedingly. This, this word displeased is the word evil. It caused Jonah evil when the evil when God relented from the evil of the Ninevites, when they repented. And Jonah says, hey, this is what I knew was going to happen. And he's like, this is why I ran away from the beginning. I knew you to be gracious, to be merciful, to be slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. This is a what a good uh, Old Testament Uh, Hebrew prophet would have known to be true about God from Exodus 34 when God revealed himself to Moses the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but, by, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Jonah knew his confession very well. But the difference, maybe you heard, that Jonah left out some parts, particularly about the 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 forgiveness that he would keep his steadfast love that he would forgive iniquity and transgression and sin he's not going to clear the guilty, but he will forgive them, and when God doesn't conform to jonah's expectations, he's angry angry enough to die. I feel it just sounds like words a toddler would say if you have experienced that, maybe you will experience that soon enough uh as I said, going uh, on vacation to an Airbnb is different than going to on vacation to a resort. Resort wants to meet your expectations. It wants to exceed your expectations. And settling into a home <laughs> in a city or a town that I've never been to before, in a language that was incredibly dormant in my brain, despite having an undergraduate degree in Spanish, made me angry we don't have the food the air conditioning is not working uh we can't drink the water I heard there might be scorpions here why are there scorpions here the kids did it break get a new one palm leaves break I mean come on Right? Children, as Tom Papa said, we're imperfect. Why did we think we can take this thing on the road, let alone just have church in our house? <laughs> we wanted, I wanted the Mexico trip to be perfect. I didn't want any challenges. I wanted control of things, but it was completely out of control. I wanted my children. To know that they're to not experience pain for a week. I wanted them just to eat. I wanted them to have just this beautiful, uh, again, soft, warm, lighted life where nothing bad happens to them. I don't think those are bad desires, but I think it misses the reality of the life and the world that we live in. One that is imperfect. One that God has come back to send His Son to redeem it and to go and look for the deeper beauty that is around us. As the week went on, I actually began to imagine our life here. This is a thing that I do whenever I'm away from home i imagine what my life it would be like if we lived here the simplicity that we had of just going to the beach and digging in sand and taking pleasure in the smaller things of life the simpler things being able to see the little town of sayulita and the the surprising moments of beauty amidst the heartache people dancing in the streets despite like a traffic jam like piled up behind them and they're just dancing they don't even care and then, then they ask for tips afterwards, and the traffic moves on. The street performers, the natural beauty, the kids laughing and getting along together um, at times and moments. Um, and it was truly a beautiful thing. Jonah expected his creedal faith to be enough for him to be able to pick and choose the things that he wanted out of God. But God wanted more from Jonah. God wanted Jonah to experience God's life, and he wanted all of Jonah's life. He wanted the beauty of it, and he wanted the brokenness. God wants to take all of our lives. He wants the anger, the ire, the salvation, and the love. See, instead of being formed into his image we often try to form god into ours to meet our expectations instead he wants to exceed them god cannot be relegated to or excluded from any area of our lives he can't just be a sunday morning thing he can't just be like a professional life thing he can't just can't just be something we do in our job or our money or our family we can't just take our anger to him. We can't just take our love and our grace to him. We have to be able and willing to receive the, the love and the mercy and the grace from God. And it is our hope that our worship practices help inform us into the fullness of life that God wants for us. Not that they would just stop there, not that we would take the creed and pick and choose parts from it, not that we would take um, our own understandings of who God is, but that we would receive all of whom God is in our lives and for the lives of those who are around us as well. What we see in Jonah is that God doesn't get angry with Jonah, though he engages him and he invites him into a deeper relationship with him. He says, do you do well to be angry? That is literally translated, are you good and angry, Jonah? Are you good and angry? I think he's inviting Jonah into a relationship here. If God is anything, he is big enough to handle our anger, and our protests against him. And he wants us to come back over and over and over again. Jesus tells the parable of the unjust judge and the the woman who continues to go to him over and over again, just bothering him. And he's like, fine, I'll give you what you want. I will give you justice. And he says that is how we should treat God, just to bug him over and over and over again. That is a part of being in that relationship, is remembering that God God is God. He is good even in his anger. But Jonah just walks away. He's like, I'm out of here. He goes to the to the to a mountain outside the city and he's like, I'm gonna build a little tent here, and I want I'm gonna wait for Nineveh to be destroyed. I want to see God destroy these people despite what he has said. So God sends a plant for him to shade him, to comfort him, to truly just dis- not this rickety old tent that he has. And Jonah becomes glad. He likes the easy life. But as soon as the plant grew up, as quickly as it grew up, it disappears. God sent a, um, a, a worm to eat and destroy this plant, serving as an object lesson for Jonah, of course. Disappears and, angry, and Jonah becomes angry again. God invites Jonah once again. To engage him, he asked him the exact same question as he did before. Do you do well to be angry? Are you good and angry about the plant? Jonah's like, yeah, I'm good and angry. Angry enough to die. Like, again, like you just hear this petulance in his voice. The plant served as an object lesser for Jonah. It was something that he pitied, but not anything that he labored for. In comparison to God's love and compassion and mercy that he had for Nineveh, a great city to God. That is the literal wording there. This is a great city to God. There were 120,000 people there. This would have been a huge city at the time. There's many cattle. I just love the addition. and And so many cattle as well. Jonah, don't you care about them? People who do not know their right hand from their left. They're children. They're still trying to figure out direction. They're letting go of evil and picking up good as they did in the fast. But children of God, nonetheless. People who were created to reflect God's character, to be in relationship with them. Should God not pity them as Jonah pitied the plant? think much of our popular under uh against much of our popular understanding of god god doesn't begin with anger he 's not like Zeus who's waiting up in the sky with a lightning bolt watching us, just ready for us to screw up he 's slow to anger he's abounding in steadfast love. God is waiting patiently, ready to woo us back into a relationship with him, just. As he did with the ninevites he is doing the same with jonah when all jonah could feel is anger god pours out his grace god goes after nineveh to find them to love them to call him back to him evelyn took stuffies on the trip stuffies stuffed animals um particular one uh was cookies and cream um she's named them all uh, it was a little white dog, about four inches high or so. Um, had a white spot or a black spot over its eye. It was white the rest of the its body. Um, it was like a buck from the Dollar Tree, um, but she loved this thing like it was like it was Teddy or, <laughs> or Malachi or any of our own little children. And at one point, we said, uh, "Hey," I, she wanted to take it to the beach, and I was like, "Hey, it's gonna get wet." and it's probably going to get sandy. Are you sure you want to do that? And it was this back and forth, and yes, she did, but she ended up leaving it at home, and so when we went out to dinner that night, she had to take it with us. And she would, riding in the golf cart, she would stuff it down in the top of her shirt, and it would stick out, this extra little head kind of sticking out. Well, at some point in our excursion downtown that night, we parked the the, the golf cart. We went over, and I ate tacos out pastor. Uh, from the carts there on the corner. The kids played around in the square a little bit. We went and found um, dinner, and it was delicious. And as we were getting up to leave, suddenly she realized she didn't have cookies and cream with her. And you know those scenes, either in movies or in cartoons, even where the kids like swing their head back and forth, or someone is like in just complete and utter panic? It was all over her the panic she was stricken with it and so we said okay let's walk around the square let's retrace our steps knowing full well that we would probably not find this dollar tree dog again we walked all around it and we were looking for it we retraced our steps and looked where the cart was parked and where we uh, you know we were on the square and everywhere and it wasn't around and um, she was panicked. We, ha- we satiated her with saying, we will look for a new one and find a new one for you. But what I saw when we walked around the square was everyone, um, mothers in particular, um, uh, working the food carts that they had set up for the evening. And the kid, who was probably uh, seven or eight, asleep in the plastic chair covered with a blanket over them uh, behind her mom, There was a baby who was uh, in in a car seat um, on the street asleep. This is like 9.30 at night. Um, And kids playing, some of them having a great time, jumping around on the square. And I kept telling Evelyn, I'm sure cookies and cream got picked up by a kid who doesn't have a stuffy, or maybe only has one. And Evelyn kept going, now I only have 99. (laughs) Like... My heart broke for these kids who don't have anything, and yet she's going, but I still need my stuffy. I still need my stuffy. Evelyn's six, so I don't expect her to get it Um, and to see the brokenness that is around her. But all these kids are there without stuffies, without homes, likely. Um, their moms working late into the night to be able to provide for them I think we want the good life we want the easy life we want the plants grown up around our heads we want God on our terms but God wants to give himself to us on his terms one who is merciful gracious, compassionate slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love one who wants to be with us whether we have the good life, the easy life, or not. Despite the lives that we do have, we often don't count ourselves um, worthy of being in relationship with a God like this who desires to have all of our lives. We hold back parts of them. We think they deserve his anger and wrath, and so we won't offer those to him, or we believe that we deserve his grace and mercy more than other people whom he has poured at out upon as well. The writer of Jonah ends the book on a question because I think it invites us, the readers, to enter into the story and perhaps, as the king of Nineveh wonder, perhaps to allow God to enter fully, completely, into our stories as well. What are the places, the relationships, what's the pain and heartache that we long to have God enter into but we aren't quite sure about yet? What is one area of your life that you could give over your anger to God and allow Him to to work His life-giving grace in it? Where do you want hope? Where are you lacking hope? Where would you hope that God would give you hope in your life? Where do you want life instead of death? See, I think Jonah doesn't quite get it yet. He's so angry he could die, but he forgets that God's grace doesn't bring death, but life. In all circumstances, in every place that God enters into, he brings life, even in the midst of death, even and often in spite of death. And in Jesus, we see that God is good and angry, angry enough to die. We celebrate Palm Sunday in particular because in that we see Jesus entering triumphantly into Jerusalem, running headlong towards his death, not forsaking the cross, but going to it, destroying all the expectations that everyone had for them. He came in to Jerusalem, his disciples and his followers laid down their coats, they put down palm branches, they celebrated him as the conquering king. But he didn't come into Jerusalem on a horse, which would have said triumph and victory. He came in on a donkey, which preached peace. To the people, he went to his death rather than destroying the Roman rule. He had zealots, people who wanted the r- rule of Rome overthrown in Jerusalem and uh, over Israel, and yet he said, "No, no, no! no. I'm going to get at the deeper, more intimate problem: death itself." When just before, or as he was entering into Jerusalem, he stood outside of it. And he wept over it because he knew that the, the, the destruction that was going to come for it um, in about 40 years after his death. He knew the death that was going to come for it. And yet he said, I long to gather you to myself. How much I would love to welcome you into my life that I want to get, give to you. And so instead of bringing disaster... He went to the cross himself to submit himself to death so that resurrection life could come no matter the circumstances that all our sorrows our broken hearts our fears our expectations our anger could be brought to him and be healed once again see God doesn't run away from us like Jonah did God runs headlong into whatever may come including the cross to be with us, to be in relationship with us, to bring the fullness of his life into the fullness of our lives, exceeding our expectations, whether we like it or not. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that you are good and angry. You are good in wanting to work life into this world of death. You are angry enough to go to the cross and submit yourself to death to be resurrected and to show us the life that we have in you. Lord, work that life in us. Lord, open our lives to you. Come into it fully, Lord. Help us to lay down whatever may be hindering us. Help us to bring our anger to you. Help us to bring our joy to you. Help us to bring our sorrows to you. Lord, this is not an easy life to be a part of, and you know that. It's why you came to be with us, to comfort us, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, work work love into our lives so that we may see the beauty amongst the brokenness. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.